Today's guest is Joe Ducard, who's a dating coach who teaches men to attract women through authenticity. So we had a real fun conversation speaking about his journey, which is very similar to my journey in, in terms of learning how to connect with women as a way of development as a man. So just speaking about the man's hero's journey, a couple announcements. Uh, I did plug my charity briefly in the middle of the show. It's a collectively driven charity called The Neighbor Fund. I might speak about it more on a later episode, but the whole idea is we're trying to reverse the tragedy of the commons, which is the economic situation where a lot of people are sharing a resource and it's depleting it, like overfishing a lake or depleting the, the parks. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that part, but essentially what we're doing is anyone can join for a minimum donation of $10 a month. You put it into a pool and 90% of that money gets voted on by the members. It doesn't matter how much you donate. You have one vote. You vote on how to distribute it. And we're every month we're distributing it to three places, one that's people-focused, one that's charity cause-focused, and one that's we're calling magic-focused which is maybe something artistic or increasing enchantment in the world of some sort. So you can check that out at theneighborfund.com. Another uh, quick announcement is that the podcast is in a new home. Uh, the Rondo podcast has been picked up by the Gotham Podcast Studios Network, which doesn't mean anything other than you'll probably see it more places. It's going to be on iHeartRadio. It's just part of a fun network of other cool podcasts featuring people like Teddy Atlas, who I'm a huge fan of in the boxing world. So anyway, this little thing. Um, right now, you're listening to Episode 044, Joe Ducard, The Man's Hero's Journey. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. All right. Hey, Joe. It's great to connect with you. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Justin Centrum from Elite. Elite Man podcast. Um, so yeah, I'm glad to connect with you. Um, it's uh, you check out your websites. It's all great stuff. Um, since I'm getting to know you now, as I share first conversation uh, outside of email, uh, can you share, uh, share a little bit about your story and how you got into coaching and doing the work you do? Sure, man. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I wasn't very popular growing up. I didn't really have much experience with women or anything like that. And um, by the time I was 19, I got, I was pretty depressed. And, and most of that depression was from loneliness. I didn't have many friends, you know, still a virgin, no experience with women. And, um, <clears throat> it was a really low part of my life. And then by then I, I wound up stumbling into my first girlfriend who I almost married by the time I was 21. Cause I felt I could never get another woman again for the rest of my life. That was truly my thought. Cause I hadn't had any success before. And then at 21, um, I got another job. She was long distance. We had broken up. And then that's when I fell into the game and the pickup artist TV show. And, um, you know, I saw that attraction was a learnable skill. Okay. And I knew that you could make more money. I knew that you could lose weight, get into shape. Right. I knew that maybe you could be famous. I don't know how to get famous. Maybe you could, but I, I didn't know that communicating with women and, um, you know, attracting women was a choice. I didn't know that it was an actual skill. So once I found out that that was possible, I really set out to do whatever it took to master that skill. And I mean, I read every book under the sun. I studied all the gurus and went out sometimes seven nights a week, just approaching women and really working on myself. And it was a long, long journey. I mean, this was 2007 that I started. So we're coming up on 12 years ago that I really dived deep into the stuff. And every second of my day, was devoted to self-improvement. I mean, this was still before social media was really big and I didn't have cable or anything like that. So, I mean, I just devoted my whole life to this stuff, man. It was pretty crazy. 
And I started to get some success. I lost over a hundred pounds and, um, you know, I talked to my father actually. And he said, uh, I said, what should I do next? He said, you got to coach people and help them. You know, I saw on your, on your site, you had a video that said, uh, you know, your passion is your purpose. I think that that's what it was called. Right. Um, or, or your pro was it your problem is your purpose. Yeah. Your problems are your, are your purpose. Right. So that definitely resonates very true with me because that was a big problem for me. I never said, okay, I want to be a dating coach, right? I just said, I want to cure my loneliness no matter what. And I wound up diving so deep in it and figuring it, figuring it out from the inside out. And eventually I became really good at it. And then that became my purpose was to help other men transform themselves as well. So, you know, I wound up working for the mystery method and becoming a master instructor for them and, and meeting all the guys. Um, the mystery method, the company, which then became uh, love systems. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Which was that first company to take guys out and show them how to do it. Is that ours. the one with uh, Savoy and the boy? Yeah. So Savoy, I worked with okay. the boy for, for many years. Yeah. And, and did that for a while. Then eventually went out on my own and kind of put my own spin on things because you know, some of the pickup stuff I don't agree with anymore. Um, I don't think you should tell other people's stories that someone came up with 12 years ago. <laughs> I believe you should cultivate your own interests and um, build skills rather than rely on routines and certain things like that. But it definitely gave me a start and I've moved more towards uh, my tagline nowadays is to attract women authentically, which is, you know, through being your best self, through building skills and becoming a guy who is more attractive to women rather than, you know, manipulation or telling other people's stories and, and things like that. So yeah, that's so, yeah, one I mean, of the reasons why I want to speak with you because yeah. um, I mean, I, I run in different circles and a lot of my friends are feminists, especially like the, fiery women I hang out with. And there's a lot of hate, I think, or misconceptions around a man wanting to learn how to be with women. Like sure. immediately from the outside people like, I mean, I grew up in New York city. So you'd see, I mean, even now you see in union square, there's always like a clan of pickup guys or probably just starting out who are all like a hot girl walks by and they're all like, are you approaching? Are you approaching? I mean, like it looks yeah, it's a little, it's a little creepy at that time. Yeah. No I mean, but I've, I've been there. I've done exactly that. That was Same, yeah. my journey too. And from the outside, it looks like, oh, look at those sleazy guys. Uh, they People assume like they're like the jocks in high school who are bullying people and trying to like get in women's pants and everything. But it's really the opposite. Total opposite. People don't realize that for almost every guy I've ever met, anyone who really commits to this journey, it started off with pain and loneliness, which is what you started speaking about just now. Yeah, it's so true, man. And uh, there's definitely some misconceptions. And like you said, those guys are the opposite. They're definitely, they're not the jockey guys. They're the, yeah. they're the scared, you know, guys who are, you know, the guys who I work with, uh, whenever I say like, who, who do I serve? Who do I work with? They're usually good guys. Like we're just good people who just are shy around women and don't have the social skills, never got to learn them because we don't teach them in school. Right. So those are the type of guys that I like to work with. And, you know, maybe if they say, okay, you know, guys going out just to approach a bunch of women or whatever, um, you know, some people can look at it the wrong way, but you know, these are guys who are just trying to work on their social skills and get out of the shells. And eventually, you know, a lot of their goals is to find a woman they're really attracted to and, 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 and develop a connection with her, you know, which I think is an admirable, admirable goal. Definitely. Yeah. With every guy who comes to me, I mean, not, not every single guy, but most guys who are younger, they all say they want exactly the same thing, which is to date a bunch in their twenties and then settle down when they're 30. Like I get that. That's the number that. one goal I get from guys. I want to play, you know, I want to play the field a little bit, get some experience and then find the best one and settle with her out of a yeah. choice. And it's almost like, it's almost like in the 40 year old virgin where like he wants to play the field just so he can be a complete person when he meets his soulmate. Like it's kind of almost cheesy romantic to, to a point. Like I, I just wanted people to understand, like, even if, even though the word pickup artist is kind of stigmatized now, maybe with good reason, it, it comes from a place of like 
genuine desire for connection almost always. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't use that term anymore. Definitely not associated with, with my stuff. Um, just because it's got such a bad rap, but, um, you know, I definitely started learning from, from that stuff and learned really good principles. And like I said, transformed it a little bit more to more, uh, a holistic kind of complete approach. I definitely tell guys what to say and how to say it and all that other stuff too. But, um, you know, I've gotten more f- away from such dogmatic tactics and, um, and scripts and, and things like that and a little more. Yeah, you know, I mean, my, I'm a little uh, removed from the, the, I mean, the dating coaching, that, that part of the world, at least. Uh, are there still coaches doing that? Like with the scripts and oh, yeah. opinion openers and things Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of assume that, I mean, I assume that as I evolved, everyone else evolved and everyone I talked to, like you seems to have evolved from that. I didn't know that anyone was still doing. Well, you know, most guys like us that, uh, that have some experience in learning this and, you know, I mean, you're to your 30 now, right? I'm, I'm 32. So, you know, as we start to get older, we see that there's more to it than all that other stuff. Right. And, yeah. and there's a lot of with our own inner happiness and, and um, cultivating who we are as ourselves. You know, I spent a lot of time doing that stuff. And then when I took a very small break from it at 29, I, the biggest question I had was who the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I was so defined by going out and, and approaching and meeting and picking up women and all that other stuff that um, I had given up on all the things that made me me. So uh, the last few years have been a, a rediscovery of who I am and, and uh, what makes me me and what really makes me happy. And that's something that comes across definitely in my, the new way I've gone with my teaching, trying to help guys cultivate that. So they don't go down that, that road of just, you know, trying to just hook up with women. Cause that's definitely not the case. That's not the um, answer for sure. Yeah. Do you feel like the, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like the, it sounded like you had like a bit of an existential maybe not crisis, but you had to re re like think how you were doing things. Do you think that's a necessary part of a man's development when it comes to this kind of thing? Oh yeah. It, it happened at um, two points in my life that were very pronounced. And you know, it's funny. They say the toughest ages for men, mental health wise, and just, just in general are 19 and 29 mm. are the two toughest ages for men. And, and I, on the money, those are the two, toughest ages for me. The first one was graduating high school, figuring out what I want to do with my life and being lonely and seeing that I was now, you know, then I became overweight and things like that and didn't know kind of where I wanted to go. And then it was a very deep depression for me. And then 29 was the same thing. I was about to hit 30 and I was like, well, what did I do with my twenties and who am I now? And where do I want to go next? So that was definitely, those were the two times where I had to really, you know, rethink my life in the direction that I was heading and and things like that. And they're all necessary evils, right? It, yeah, it was a low point, but it wound up turning into um, a really good thing. I feel like I see the big picture so much better now than I ever have. And, um, you know, I'm not perfect. I still struggle with, with, with things. Obviously, we all do. But um, I feel like I'm seeing things much more clearly now, which is super yeah, what, cool. So not every guy in these uh, critical points comes out ahead. Actually, I think a lot of men in 19 and 29 fall into a pit and like the next 10 years suck like yes. what do you think or what would you say was helpful useful in those regards i think that's a great question and um that's awesome that you said that because we can help people who are going through that as well you know for me um i learned at a very young age um you, you know like complete ownership of of myself right anything that was going wrong i never blamed it on other people maybe when i was really young i did but but once I hit my twenties, 
I just said, look, no one's going to feel bad for me. No one cares if I have to do more work than them. Nobody gives a shit. And like, I have to do what I need to do to make, you know, those things that I want a reality. I had your site up, your tagline speaks to it pretty well. You know, there you go. Yeah. How do you create your desired reality? Right. And that was um, a big question for myself as well. I was like, you know, I always wanted the, uh, the same things. I think a lot of guys do, you know, we want to, I always wanted to be fit and look good. I wanted to have money and financial freedom. I wanted to have fun and adventure. I wanted to have beautiful women in my life, you know, lots of friends and live a good life. Right. I think mostly in general, everybody wants to have that. And I saw at 19 and in my early twenties, my life was slipping away from me and I was kind of far away from that. So I just said, look, I need to do whatever it takes to kind of make it happen. And in my early twenties, there were a few years where I didn't, I wasn't even close to that because I didn't know how to get help. I didn't know where the help was. So I started reading a bunch of random stuff, trying things that didn't work out. Eventually I had to find things that worked for me. So there was a lot of confusion and a lot of throwing shit against the wall and, you know, seeing what sticks in my uh, early twenties. But at 29, it was a lot easier because I was a little more humble. Um, I had really good friends in my life now that were other coaches and things like that and heard bet on their own journey. So I could consult with other people. And, you know, I, I would go to a therapist and talk to a therapist about what was bothering me. I would read more books. I would apply these things. I had no victim mentality. I had no feeling bad for myself. And I was ready to just be open and completely try new things. And with that, I was able to find things like uh, Wayne Dyer was a big help for me hmm. and finding spirituality, um, you know, cultivating hobbies and rediscovering things I used to be into when I was like in my teens and starting to do those again. And, uh, you know, spending time around good people and just being open with how I felt. And uh, I got really good feedback. And one of finding things that really work for me, right? But um, yeah, it sounds like you cut out stuff that wasn't working. And that's a big part, I think, in the second peak, if you will. I, uh, I heard a great quote the other day. And they said, happiness isn't adding more stuff to your life. It's, it's removing the things that are getting in your way, right? And I know you work a lot with people with limiting beliefs and removing blocks from themselves, right? And that's, I agree with that 100%. You know, there's definitely things that, that you're doing, um, especially my first journey, like it, it was uh, removing things was really, really big ways of thinking the ways that I thought of myself, my identity habits and things like that. And what I did with the newer one was I kind of removed that my identity was so tied around meeting women. And once I got that out of the way, I had an open slate to kind of, to kind of um, rediscover other things that made me um, happy. So it was kind of like a fun journey of, of discovering things and rediscovering. Yeah, I, think, I think like, that's a trap I've seen in a lot of guys. Like a lot of the guys that I started studying pickup with uh, many years ago, um, I'd see them progress maybe maybe even faster than me. Maybe they slept with 200, 300 women, but they still hated themselves. Mm. And then they're in their 30s and they're still sleeping with a new woman every every couple of days and they still hate themselves. And when I was younger, I remember, I remember actually this guy, he was maybe 10 years older than me and he was talking to me about how went through a journey that I was starting and he's sleeping all these women, but didn't make him happy. And mm. at the time I, I didn't, I was, I hardly slept with any women. So I was just like, well, I don't care if I'm miserable. I kind of, you gotta, you gotta happy. find it out for yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan Bilzerian has a thing, like uh, as a quote, I think he said on Joe Rogan, like money, of course, money and women won't make you happy, but until you have access to it, you won't really know. And I, I watched I, that whole episode twice. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that makes perfect there's, sense. There's something to that. I mean, obviously, if you if you could be spiritually evolved faster, you can see it, but you don't really feel it. I mean, I mean, as far as having access to the material thing, even if it's lower or whatever. 
yeah, a lot of those things we have to discover for ourselves, right? Cause yeah. it's like, it's easier said than done. Like, you know, right now, if you told me, you know, being a, a billionaire won't make me happy. Like, I'm like, well, I'm gonna, let me damn sure find that out first that I'll let you know how it is. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll gladly move forward on that. But, you know, seeing that the women didn't make me um, completely fulfilled, I could see now definitely more clearly that money and all these other things, they're not the answer either. You know, there's many studies on happiness. I've, I've looked up a lot of them and they all kind of say the same thing. And none of them say money or material possessions, not even yeah. close. Isn't it something like after 75 grand a year, money doesn't make a difference, but until then you do kind of need it, right? It may or doesn't yeah. contribute to happiness. Yeah. They, they, I, I've seen that one, you know, I mean, everyone has a different type of lifestyle too, right? Like some people are really into the material stuff and whatever. I'm really not, you know, even though I got a, I moved into a cool house, right. But I have it with a roommate and I pay as much as I would from my studio apartment that I had before. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, it depends on, you know, you finding what makes you happy. And if it's influenced by what other people think, you know, you go into the best restaurants and traveling and wearing cool clothes and this and that, you know, I just saw a blog post talking about the, uh, the millionaire next door. And they're saying like the people in the fancy neighborhoods of the fancy cars weren't the millionaires. They were in debt, yeah. <laughs> you know, and probably under a ton of stress, but the people who, who had just enough and lived their lives on their own terms and, you know, had some savings and interest coming back. Those are the people who were definitely more happy. Yeah. Yeah. Simplicity. Yeah. On the cutting out thing, I met another guy when I, I mean, this is maybe 10 years ago. He was an older dude, but he was like, life is like a diamond the, the way to play life is like a diamond like when you're younger you're branching out and trying to find all the stuff but at a certain point you have to subtract and focus on what's meaningful because if you keep seeking out outward and outward you're gonna go nuts that's a and, that's a great analogy yeah so yeah i mean it, i didn't think of the 1929 things when you brought it up but when i turned 30 last year i made a whole list of stuff i was cutting out and like even little things like i don't go to birthday parties at bars anymore I don't like watch TV after men, like little things. And mm -hmm. um, my life is a lot more, I don't drink beer with hops in it. I just don't like it. <laughs> you know, I, I made a, a very specific list. And um, yeah, I mean, I didn't add anything to my life, but I just noticed I have more time for what I care about. That's what I'm doing now in my personal life is I'm, I'm subtracting things mm -hmm. and trying to get rid of them. I mean, a friend invited me to a, uh, like a landmark thing the other day. And I've heard, I've heard good stuff about landmark and whatnot, but I told him, I said, you know, I'm really not interested because um, I, ha I know what I want to do. I know what I want to focus on. I, I don't want more, like, I don't want a whole nother method and a whole nother thing of, of doing. Now, that being said, I am very open-minded and I'll, and I'll take information and this and that, but, um, you know, I don't want to undergo another big seminar thing and a whole nother <laughs> way of thinking, kind of redo stuff. I'm happy with some of the way things are. And I do kind of, like you're saying, get rid of certain beliefs and ideas and other things that aren't serving me. Um, one of them that I just got rid of was, uh, was, porn and masturbation. I completely cut that out a couple of months ago. And, um, you know, I, I, I've seen so many studies and everything on it. And then I was like, fuck it. Let me just try it for a bit. My energy has gotten way better. I get out and I'm way more social and, um, I've actually been losing a lot of weight too. I think it definitely affects your hormones and your testosterone and things like that too. So yeah. that's like, well, I was seeing uh, the number one advertiser on Pornhub is seamless is the food delivery. is what seamless or Grubhub. Oh, okay. Yeah. They realize that's the most profitable place to advertise is guys jerking off want to order hamburgers. They want to eat shit after that, I'm sure. <laughs> Where like, if, if not, you have to go out and meet the women. You're like, well, shit, I want to be in good shape. So you're just eating probably good stuff. There's got to be some type of mental 
yeah, effect right. that goes with it too. But yeah, like that was that's a real good one recently that I cut out. That's been really well for me. Yeah, I like what you said about um, reducing information, like with the landmark thing. Like, I think um, the thing that makes me think of is at a certain point in my life, I realized I didn't need to try to sleep with every single woman I had a chance with. Mm. I think that's, that's that's like an idea I try to get to a lot of guys. Like, that's the shift into mm. abundance. It doesn't matter how many women you have in your life. It's like when you're no longer like thirsty for every single drop of woman you can possibly get. That's when you're like, okay this part of my life is complete enough. I can go work on other things as opposed to like being desperate for the next woman, the whole rest of your life. Oh yeah. That desperation is terrible. And um, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's like a, like a rabbit hole, you know, that a lot of these guys never fill. And you know, once, once you've, you've had some experience, you've been around a bit, like I, I always say it's a funny analogy. I'm like a lot of times, you know, just hooking up with girls is, um, if, if it's an empty type of thing, it could be just like eating cake, right? Like it looks good. It tastes good going down. But after you're like, ah, should I really done that? You know, like, is it really, you know, what was that really worth the whole thing and this and that? And, um, you know, it's okay to, if you want to hook up with someone every now and then you're traveling this and that, Hey, look, I'm not one to judge or whatnot, but, um, I found for myself that, um, you know, it doesn't, it's definitely the novelty definitely doesn't mean anything like it used to before. You know, but that's just, that's everyone's journey to, to come to the other end of that. Yeah. So what was it like moving uh, from working with Savoy uh, to do your own thing? Cause like, actually, I don't know much about him. I just remember that like when I was first reading on pickup, these were like the superhero names that I would see on the uh, like fastseduction.net or whatever. The sure. Yeah. I worked with him and future and 10 magnet and, and all these other guys that were like, you know, big, uh, big names and stuff like that. And, and, um, and, and I'll keep them completely separate, but just in general, I'll just say one thing, you know, just because someone has, a, now these guys were all great. They're all awesome. I learned a lot from them. And, and especially the guys through that company were legit. They all had to be vouched for and all that. So they're really legit, but I'm just gonna say just in general, you know, a lot of these guys, just because they have reach and popularity does not mean that they're really anything special, right? You know, marketing, as you know, I mean, marketing is a very big thing in this industry, right? I mean, probably some of the highest selling products in the dating industry, you know, were, were just video sales letters of cartoons that no one even knows who the guy is who wrote them. Right. And I've read some of these products I'm like, man, this is the worst advice I've ever seen, but with good marketing behind them, they've had a lot of reach. Right. Um, I do think some of David D'Angelo stuff was really good back in the day, but you know, who knows if David D'Angelo even didn't approach, right. He's just, yeah, he's, he's a marketer. Pickup. Yeah. I met him at a party once actually. And I told him like, your free emails changed my life. Actually. They were the best. Yeah. I right. never actually bought any of his stuff. I actually pirated it because I was in high school. But <laughs> I did too. Yeah. It was all released on fire. But it was great. I mean, it made me it made me realize like, oh, I mean, this is what it means to be cocky in a way that's attractive. And like, okay, I get it. But he yeah, yeah he was um he didn't seem like anything special in person. Like right yeah, everybody's yeah. everybody's human and everyone's normal. I mean, I've met mystery and all these guys and, and, and all these dudes, and it's like, you know we have this hero worship type of thing. And it's like, you know, no one's a hero. Everyone's there. Everyone's just a human and, and they have bad days too. And there's nothing that special. And, um, you know, like I wanted to become one of the top guys in that company. And I remember I was on like a big tear and I was training other instructors and people thought I was like the top guy for a while when I was there for a bit, but like, you know, that comes and goes too. Like, what does that even matter? I told another instructor the other day, I was like, you know, who am I? I'm no, <laughs> who cares? You know, I have, I have bad nights and 
bad times or whatever. The, the real thing that I think is cool is, yeah, if you could do it, that's great. But if you can teach it and you actually care about the students, I think that's what makes a really good coach and a really good instructor. Cause I've seen guys, I seen guys who, who are amazing with women and the stuff they could go out and do was incredible, right? Super high level. Um, but they weren't that great of coaches. Right. And then I've seen other guys who, who, who were like famous dating coaches or whatever. And they didn't give a shit about the students. So they were terrible coaches. Right. So it, it depends on what you're looking for, especially if you're looking these guys up. So I wouldn't really worship someone until you meet them and you vibe with them. And, and if they can give you something good, I still wouldn't worship them, but you know, um, I'd give them, uh, I'd work with them if you, if you vibe with them. That's what I always tell people work with coaches that you, that you feel um, resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what is it like when you start working with someone like, let's say shy guy uh, says, Joe, Hey, I want to work with you. Like do you start them on approaches or do you work on inner stuff first? Like how does that flow? Well, it's a, it depends definitely on where they're at. Um, and it depends on what type of training we're doing. I don't really do much phone coaching anymore because I don't really enjoy one-on-one phone coaching as much. Um, I enjoy things like this, right? So, so just real quick back to what we said before about me not, in, me not wanting to take a new seminar and learn a bunch of new stuff. I'd much rather sit down with you and have one of these conversations mm-hmm. and come to a lot of cool realizations and, and connect with you, you know, than, than go and sit in a classroom for a weekend and, and learn a whole bunch of stuff just at this moment, right? I find personally that my education comes in waves. I don't know if, if how it is for you, but there'll be a point where I'm like, watching YouTube seminars. I'm reading books and I'm soaking in information. I want to learn everything I can. Um, I just injured my shoulder uh, a couple weeks ago. So now I'm an expert on shoulder injuries and shoulder rehab, right? Because I just hammered that information this week because that's what I want to learn, right? But the shoulder's feeling better. This weekend, I want to just go out and have fun and be in nature, right? So I, I am in no mood to just to, to really read or soak in information this weekend. So I find that that goes up and down for me. There's moments where I'm ready to take in a lot of info and then I need to go through a, a phase of digesting that information and applying it and, and seeing how it fits in my life. And then after I do that, then usually I'm open to taking in more. Now, that being said, I'm always open to a lesson if it comes up, right? But um, that's just one thing I was saying about taking in the information. So back to, like you said, if I start working with somebody. So usually I, I take guys on a boot camp which is like a three day weekend thing. We do three days of seminar, two nights of going out and approaching women. You know, the, the whole point of that is to take a guy who's never approached women before, teach him what to say, teach him how to do it, talk about inner game and, and self-confidence and self-esteem and all that stuff. And then we go out at night, you know, I give them the conversation skills. We work on them in class and they go up and approach women, carry the conversations, you know, eventually, you know, get phone numbers and whatever. But usually by the second night, every guy, I mean, I, I don't think, I can't think of any student that I've taken out that wasn't able to approach and carry a really solid conversation by the second night. So that's pretty much the guarantee for that program, which is cool because it's like the key to get in the door. And then from there, obviously you can pursue and do whatever you want, but that's like the main thing that I teach really. Cool. Cool. How do you, um, how do you work with a guy on conversation skills? I don't, I don't know if this is giving away too much of your stuff, but like, when no, it's all good, man. We only, we're only meeting for an hour and I teach right. it a 20 hour weekend thing. So that's really not uh, yeah. A guy is like, uh, he just goes blank. Like that was the thing for me. Like I would just go blank when I speak to someone. It's like my just words were not forming. Like how do you? Absolutely. So we map it out, right? So we'll say we got a, a um, piece of paper here, right? So we, we'll map it out. We'll say, okay, so here's this conversation. You say, you know, hi, I'm Joe. And she says, hey, I'm Megan. And then it's like, okay, now I'm stuck. What do I say after that? So then we brainstorm. What, what can you say, right? You could say, 
where are you from? What do you do? What are you up to tonight? How long you been in town? Whatever. And we'll brainstorm a bunch of questions. And then we could kind of pick from those questions and, and see which ones work for you. And then what I'll do for guys too, one, one simple tip um, that I give guys all the time is it's okay to ask questions in the beginning, but the thing you want to do is answer the question for yourself. That's a big mistake guys make is they'll say, okay, where are you from? Okay, cool. What do you do? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you study? And they're, they're totally moving on where just a simple question, like, where are you from? Can take you on a whole journey, right? Where you grew up, why you're here now, what you like to do in town, what you think of the city, what you think of the people, right? So I teach guys to kind of take a single question that we pick and kind of branch it out into a lot of different ways that we can talk about it. So that that's definitely one technique that I like to do that really helps guys open up conversation, right? So for example, the girl, you say to a girl, you know, hi, I want to uh, come and meet you, right? I'm Joe. She says, hi, I'm Megan. You say, Megan, where are you from? And she gives you a one word response. She's like, oh, I'm from New York. Like, okay, cool. You know, I'm, I'm actually originally from uh, New York as well too. You can ask her deeper, like, well, you know, what part are you from? Or you could tell a story, you know, what I like about the people in New York are they're like this, 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 and this. Usually she'll comment on that. If she doesn't, you could say, now I moved over to here. And what I found about here is this, 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 this. And what I like to do here is, and you could just, you can just add all these elements and it starts to open up the conversation. So I tell guys when you have a topic to stick to it and kind of expand it out a little bit more, that's one that, I, that helps a lot. And then another one that I do too, um, which is the opposite of that is just uh, using humor. I love to tell guys to use humor, right? And, and these are old, uh, like back in the day where they had, you know, specific lines and stuff they did, but I like to work on them with the students in the class, right? So back to that question, right? If you say, where are you from? And she says, I'm from New York. And you could say, okay, cool, I'm from. And then you're answering your own question again, right? Okay, cool, I'm from. And then you could pick somewhere crazy or somewhere that doesn't exist, right? You could say, I'm actually from, from uh, Westeros, yeah, have you ever heard of it? And he's like, no. I'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm from this part called King's Landing, and I come from from royalty. My brother's a midget, and um, I'm trying to take over the throne by the end of this year, but I only have one more season left to do it, right, or whatever. Right? So, you, so you, that's a Game of Thrones reference, obviously, but you could just come up with something that's total bullshit and um, out from left field, and um, it actually does a lot of things. It's a pattern interrupt. Um, it helps women know that you're not taking yourself too seriously. They can relax, not take themselves too seriously. Um, they could spike good emotions. It could filter if a girl has a sense of humor, which is are pretty interested in a girl who has a little lighter and sense of humor. So it does a lot of things. So th th those two are like two things that I recommend right off the bat that can help a lot to open up the conversation. Um, I have not, but I, I teach a lot of improv stuff. I, I learned it from other instructors. You know, one of the, one of the guys I learned from was an improv comedian. So he taught me a lot of this stuff. And Cool. Yeah, it reminds me of like, uh, like one of the things that they teach in improv is you don't ask your scene partner questions because you're putting the, um, putting the pressure on them to come up with something. It's right. like, and you think of the question, but then answer your own question, just make it a statement. And you're giving them value and giving them something to riff off of instead of forcing them to answer your question. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, 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 it's giving them something yeah, to, yeah. to kind of work with. I, I, I learned about a principle called disclosure reciprocity. And, and what that principle was, is that if you, you know, divulge information about yourself, the other person's more likely to reciprocate, you know, which our instincts is to go in and just ask question after question. You know, you approach the girl, she's not going to give you that much information. So you have to share about yourself as well. It goes back to the go first principle of NLP as well, too. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, I think this could apply to even sexual escalation. Like I always, 
I always frame uh, flirting to guys as like you're hitting a ball over the net. And like if you spike it in the beginning, obviously she's going to get creeped out. Or if you ask her to serve it to you, she's going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm busy. Right. But if you tap it over the net, you give her something, she could tap it back. And then eventually it speeds up and it goes from saying hello and asking where you're from to something physical and making out going on. But, but it's like this understanding the momentum back and forth and giving them something to hit back to you and waiting for them to hit some, something to you so you can hit it back instead of trying to score on the first volley, uh, if you will. It's, it's so true, man. It's funny because whenever I meet somebody like yourself who's had a lot of life experience and is a, is a great coach and, and done this stuff for a while, I wind up hearing things that, that uh, kind of resonate with other people of the same class. So like, I remember the guys who taught me used to call it pinging. Mm. And they'd say, you know, you try something by going first and you ping and then see if she pongs back and forth. Uh, right? So it's going <laughs> to, you throw it out there first, she, she comes. So it's exactly what you just said. I like your volleyball analogy better instead of ping pong, but um, yeah, same it's, idea. I mean, it's exact same idea, so man. Metaphors, <laughs> yeah, used for flirting. Cool, man. Um, do you have any stories like your hardest client? I, I'm always interested in that from coaches, like because I, um, I still have challenging clients sometimes. Like, ah, oh, man. Sure, yeah. Um, I like to screen guys out before I work with them, mm-hmm. so um, I don't always. It's very rare that I have a very difficult client because I could tell if they're if they have. Most guys don't have much skepticism. And like all I need from a client is to have an open mind and be willing to do what I say. That's it. And, and, and if they have that, it's good. My toughest students that I'll run into every now and then is, is what I call the yeah, but student. So hey, Tom, hey man, so we're going to go out, we're going to try this and I want you to go and do five approaches and, and this is what you say and then give it a shot. He's like, yeah, that'll work. But, and what, the, what they do is every time they say the yeah, but they're coming up with an excuse. Mm-hmm. before they actually do it right so every now and then I'll, I'll run into a student like that that'll kind of have some pushback and, and what I try to tell them is like look you know this is just the stuff that I've done for a long time it's worked for so many people and you just have to have some faith some blind faith and just try it. you know the best students that I work with are the ones that say tell me what to do I'll go and do it I just talked to a student yesterday and he's like let me pull up the what he said I thought it was so interesting and, um, he said, he said, I said, I'd take your advice to a T and I think I, I have, and I've had a really good outcome. Right. So he, he just took the advice. He did it right. No questions asked. And he, he's been doing great. Right. And I don't mind questions, but the thing is a lot of those questions that come up are like blocks and limiting beliefs and all this stuff that start to get in the way. So, um, I try to coach guys through those, um, but a big thing that I struggle with, and I, I think these guys struggle with too so every now and then, is um, I want to have everything figured out before I went and did it. That's the biggest, that's the biggest um, yeah. thing that these guys get held back, right? So I wanted to have a comeback for every scenario. I wanted to be ready for everything that could happen before it actually happened. But as we know, that's not how you learn. Or you got to go out there and fail and make a mess and, and learn it on your own, right? So I like to give the meat and potatoes of what to say and do, but I tell them to go out there and you know, really experiment with it and see kind of what happens. But um, yeah, I think there's a faith element, especially someone who's all feared up, uh, yeah. they really want to control everything because they're what they're really control. afraid of is the unknown, right? It's not even rejection. I mean, rejection sometimes for I think I found for these types of guys is almost better because like, they're like, okay, I got rejected that reinforces that I'm unlovable. And I could go back into my hole. But like, the it's a tangible outcome. Really, yeah, yeah the, the uncertainty, the intangible uh, situation is what they're so terrified of. And um, 
I think I think it almost this is how kind of pickup led to spirituality for me is like really accepting and embracing the unknown, like just not having to figure it out in advance, like just knowing, trusting whatever, trusting your instincts or the universe, if you will, that things will turn out right if you just show up. Um, I think it's a hard hurdle for a lot of people, especially it's, analytical men. It's it's funny you say that, man. That goes in line with something I've just started teaching myself as well too. Um, just one more note on difficult students. The funny note is the most difficult students that I've had, I can only think of two from the past that were really tough. Um, were, were actually guys I didn't talk to before I trained them. So they were actually students that when I was with another company, they sold the student and the student kind of didn't want to be there. Um, or another friend introduced me to a student that he convinced to train with me. And then when I showed up there, we hadn't talked beforehand. And that those were the only times I've had a difficulty, but just a conversation would have kind of weeded that out. Um, but back to what you're saying, I tell guys that there's two parts of confidence. Okay. The one part is confidence in your game plan, right? Like if I'm going to go up and approach women, what do I say? What do I do? You know, that type of thing. So a lot of dating and pickup stuff taught that here's lines, here's routines. But then the other second half of confidence is exactly what you just said right there, which was super cool is having a faith in yourself that, Hey, look, this guy gave me this thing and like, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't go well, whatever, I trust myself that the worst that can happen, I'll handle it. Right. And, and maybe I'll come up with something on the spot. So I, I teach on my boot camps to say there's two different types of guys and they could have the same level of game, right. Or they could know the same skills or the same, whatever. Right. But one guy believes in himself that whatever happens, he'll handle it. And the other guy is very insecure that what, I don't know what, if whatever happens, I won't be able to handle it. And he, and he has no security in him, in himself. The guy, the first guy will get better much quicker, even with the same level of skills, because he's going to go and take more action because he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. If I fuck up, it's okay. I'll learn a lesson from it. Right. And I trust myself that, um, you know, I can handle it. Right. The other guy is like, Oh shit. Well, no, now I need more information before I go and take the action. Cause he doesn't have that faith in himself. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's actually really in line with, 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 uh, with students and, and the ones that have a tougher time than ones who do great. Yeah, it resonates with me a lot because one of the things that pulled me away from pickup, and I, I, worked, uh, I worked with and for DJ Fuji for a while, I think, came from Love Systems at one point, I don't remember. Exactly. Sure, I know Jared pretty well, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my first boot camp was with Jared, actually. Great guy, yeah, I love him. Many, many years ago. But um, one thing I liked about them is they didn't really teach canned routines so much, but... Um, I found that even with improv games, I kind of got into this mode where in the club, I could ask a question, answer my own question, say something silly, get her laughing. Yes. Yeah. And as soon as we left or as soon as we went on that first date, I was suddenly like in an unknown. And I was like, I would be sweating bullets when I we were making out last night. And, and I found that in only, it only worked in certain environments because I was training myself only to prepare for a specific thing rather than to prepare for the unknown. So I would be comfortable in the bar but then it'd be super awkward in parties with regular people and and it was just like oh man like do i need to learn like a game for every single possible social situation ever that's going to take me like 40 years to figure it out um and that's kind of what pulled me into it, the more inner game stuff of like trusting myself and mm. like, i forget what you just said you said some line which i like like, be, like being with yourself or trusting your own in, i don't remember what you said yeah, having faith that whatever happens you'll handle it yeah yeah yeah, and that's that to me is the root of spirituality. Actually, like I just wrote a, yes. an email to my list about my skepticism with spirituality. I got into kind of an argument with a friend over email about it, but like 
to me, all spirituality is, is trusting the non-conscious part of yourself, whether you call it God or whatever, like that's it to me. Um, I agree. And and that's in your game. Yeah. It's, that's so huge. Um, I always say that confidence can be contextual, Mm. right? Or like, I'm, I'm definitely more comfortable in a bar or a lounge or a club approaching women um, than I am, let's say, in the middle of the aisle at the grocery store, right? Because that's just something I don't do that much. You know, I, I don't go, I don't, I don't run circles around the grocery store looking for women to approach. Right. But I've been out for, for many weekends for 12 years. And in there I go around and can socialize like crazy. Um, but it took me a while to get more comfortable in parties. And I do talk to women in the grocery store now too. Um, but it took me a little while to get comfortable in those other situations too. And that's cool. What you said, which I love is that I think a lot of, my own inner development and confidence in myself has helped me to try those situations out more. Like, fuck it, whatever happens, you know, who cares? I'll learn a lesson, right? I just, it's not going to be that bad. So I've actually gained more confidence to do things that I'm more uncomfortable with because of of developing more faith uh, in myself, which is super cool. Yeah. And I I do, I, I mean, I might overuse the whole hero's journey analogy in a person's life, but I do think once you've gone through one cycle of overcoming some pain, you know, getting through some abyss, whether it's at 19 or 29 or whatever in your life, it kind of reinforces in your mind, like, oh, I can overcome shit. So when new things come across, like you, you conquer club game, suddenly dating is like, you know, it's possible because like, you viscerally felt yourself change over time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I think that's why, that's why, you know, the hero's journey is so pervasive in movies now, because we want to keep getting that reinforced message like, oh, Luke Skywalker can evolve you know like spider-man can overcome um so yeah that's what we're all searching for and i think now more than ever men but i think all people are kind of starving for that message which is why people like jordan peterson are rising in popularity and stuff like people are men are craving this message like oh it's possible for me to change it's kind of like what we got from david d'angelo many years ago just just simply that idea getting into our head it's it's funny you mention that. I, I use the Luke Skywalker analogy all the time when I talk about the hero's journey. You know, George Lucas actually um, credits the guy who wrote the book about the hero's journey. I forget what his name was. Joseph but Campbell. Joseph Campbell. He credits Joseph Campbell for coming up with a lot of the ideas for, for Star Wars. And uh, one thing I do on the first day of my boot camps is I ask around the room, I say, what's your favorite movie? And I ask guys around, what's one of your favorite movies? And everybody names them around. And I'm like, what's the cool part about that? And everyone's like, the journey, the journey, the journey, the journey, the journey. So I get them to kind of see and notice that it's, uh, it's the journey that is the, the cool part of all this, right? And, um, you know, that's, the, and I tell them that because I don't want, I don't want them to look past it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want them to, to, to say, okay, when I get to that destination, then I'll be happy. Right. And once I get there, that's it. I'm like, dude, the journey is the fun part. We sit down and pay the money to watch the movie because we want to see the struggle. We want to see the hard time. So you really want to find the juice in that journey because like, dude, let's say me and you had everything we wanted right now. Um, Let's say, let's say we had all the money we'd ever need and women and what, and all this other stuff. Yeah. it would, be boring. it would be super boring, number one. And probably the first thing that you'd do, uh, just from me knowing you from a short time, and I know for sure the first thing I would do is start another journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I'd start a, a mental health nonprofit or like I have some other ideas of something I do. Or I'd coach more and, and expand that reach more. And do, like, There's always another journey that you start. I mean, you could see it with, 
even celebrities and people who are famous, right? Like they're, they're taking up an instrument, right? Like, uh, I love Jeff Goldblum and he's like playing piano and like trying, and now he put out a jazz album, right? Like the dude doesn't need to be a famous musician. He's already a famous actor and has a family and money, but he started another journey of something that he's excited about. Right. So I, that, though? um, yeah, not in a while though. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm spoiler alert to whoever, but like at the end of the movie, he, he realizes he accomplished his mission a long time ago because he has amnesia. He already killed the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But every time he reconvinces himself that the bad guy's not dead and he goes off and kills a new person, which is yeah. dark, but it's like he needs to have a constant struggle. So he's like perpetually trying to kill the same guy over and over again. We all have to have some, you know, that, that, that thing to, to do. And yeah, I just encourage guys to not look past it so much because I know I, I made that mistake a lot, especially in my 20s. I look past the journey. And now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, there was so many cool and funny and great things that happened when I was learning this shit. And I was, dude, I was so happy. Like when I was really deep in this stuff, yeah, there was a lot of pain and failure. But now if I think back, I would, I would jump out of bed ready to, to, to read books and, and go out at night and take, like, I was so jazzed up and motivated and excited to improve that part of my life, you know? And, um, I think it's just a great, it's such a great thing to have something that you're really passionate about. And um, I think being a, a beginner is an advantage. That's another thing I tell guys, being a beginner is an advantage because you have that whole journey to go, right? Yeah, and you can you're, you're, not, you're not on the top of the hill. It's lonely at the top of the hill, right? So having the whole journey to go is a great, great place to be. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I was in your boot camp and you, you asked me a favorite movie, I'd probably say Fight Club. And I wonder what that says. I just want to burn shit down. Or I wanted to when I started at least. I guess it's a journey of his own self-discovery, I guess, yeah. <laughs> right? And a journey away from, from materialism and, and, uh, and the nine to five and all that other stuff to realize that none of that shit really matters at the end, right? Even that's, yeah. that's a journey too, yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean, there's two, mo- I mean, I actually assign guys to watch Fight Club, when, especially when they're like um, uh, shaming their own inner darkness or their own dark impulses for lust or for violence like it's because that's that's part of the male psyche and not that we should act on all those impulses but it's really important to embrace and accept that's part of you because that's where your for lack of a better term like masculine power comes from acceptance is one of the toughest things guys struggle with yeah you know and then i I think that's cool yeah even that area of yourself too you really got to accept because that part can be very hard to accept yeah yeah so what jazzes you up now now that you've completed a journey of sorts that's a great question man i love your i love your questions you're asking so many awesome questions um you know i actually i write in my journal all the time you know things that i want to do and i want to accomplish a big thing that i'm really excited about right now is you know i've been coaching and helping people for a while even since i was like that's it's definitely my calling it's my passion even when i was in high school i was writing kids workout routines and helping them with their diets and stuff like that i was a personal trainer a fitness trainer for years even before i became a dating coach and um you know i always wanted to help people but um i read i've been reading this blog about this guy mr money mustache i don't know if you've heard of him before but he's like his whole thing is like anti-consumerism saving money building a nest egg you know having interest right so his whole thing is to like earn your money, earn as, you know, earn as much money as you can live as, as simple as you can without spending on shit you don't need and then save money to invest it so that you could have enough interest from your investments to kind of cover your basic expenses. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, once you have that freedom 
and you're not worried about like where your next paycheck's coming from, you can then go and do the work that you want to do without having to need it for money. Because I definitely have noticed that, you know, if I'm teaching students and I'm, uh, and I don't have much money and then the money they're paying me is like the money I need for my rent. I don't have any savings or anything like that. I'm not as good of a coach. Yeah. You know, I'm more stressed out and, and, and I can't really be, sometimes I can't be honest. Well, no, I'm, I'm actually always honest, but you know, sometimes like I, I'm trying to be like maybe extra nice instead of being brutally honest, like right. afraid to offend them or something like that. Right. Um, so that uh, is kind of my goal. I've been saving a lot of money recently and it's been going well. And I just want to continue to save money so that I have that sort of nest egg with interest that'll kind of pay just for my living expenses. You know, that could be twenty to $30,000 a year uh, in interest, which doesn't have to be, a, I don't need to be a gazillionaire, but having that money that covers the base will give me more peace of mind. And then I want to just serve full-time, just serve and help people. I want to devote, which I already do a lot, obviously, but I really want to devote full-time to just helping people and not worrying about how much money I'm making from it. That's, yeah. that's, that really excites me. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, I think that's something that's not often spoken about that obviously the pursuit of cash is fun in itself um, and serving is fun, but like the connection people like kind of overlook in that to really be of value and to be able to give selflessly, you kind of have to have yourself covered, right? You can't yeah. be worried about your rent and also being generous at the same time. And um, yeah, a lot of that perspective hit me last year when I moved from New York to Thailand, because like my cost of living dropped by like- <sighs> I used to live in New York. I know all about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, man, like the, what I would spend on a smoothie can feed a family of six. In Thailand. 10 bucks on a smoothie in New York. Yeah. Easy. And I was just like, man, like I, my, my view on money has been so skewed my whole life. I didn't really look at it on a global level. And now I'm cutting my costs. So I can actually, I'm going to plug my charity that I started recently. It's called the neighbor fund. Uh, you put in 10 bucks and then everyone in the group uh, votes on where to spend it. So we just started a month ago. So we're actually probably going to be distributing to Asia and then somewhere in New York. And somewhere That's beautiful, there. man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's like, it feels good because now, I mean, I'm not putting a ton of money into this thing, but it's money that I don't need for myself. So I can mm -hmm. like, deploy it for a greater good elsewhere. And it's still a relatively small amount, but like, it can really add up if everyone just puts in a little bit and it's like reinforcing to yourself that this money is better spent on your good feelings than it is on another three smoothies, right? Like the smoothies are not going to contribute to your happiness. I love it, man. And I, I think that's super cool. Right. And, and it's another thing I've been teaching ladies. You have to define what's cool for you. Right. Like I was just in Miami coaching two weeks ago. Okay. And as we're rolling up to the club where live is, it's like a big club in Miami. I mean, there's yachts lined up and one of the yachts had a helicopter on it. And then there's Lamborghinis and uh, Rolls Royces and all these things getting out. And like, I don't think that shit is cool at all. Like, I don't, I think that shit's all a waste of money. And, you know, maybe if I, I took a, a, a ride on the yacht, you know, like I took a picture on the, on one of the yachts my buddy had, yeah, it looked cool or whatever, but you wouldn't catch me dead spending my money on any of that stuff. What I think is cool is what you just said, you know, things like charity and helping other people out. Like, I think that's fucking super awesome, you know? And, 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 um, you know, I try to live my life more so that way, you know, even though on Instagram and, and in advertising and all these other things, they want you to, to buy the cars and go on the trips and get the $10,000 table at the club next to the DJ. But you know, that stuff is not what I'm into. I've never been into it. And, um, no matter how much people push it down your throat, cause they want you to buy shit. Um, I'm not into it, you know, and, and I think, you know, what you're doing 
is, is fucking awesome, man. So I give you a lot of props and, and respect for that, man. Cause I, that's cool to me. And that's what I yeah. think. Is cool. And I think the thing you just said about consumerism, it, it ties to back to like the man's hero's journey, if you will. Cause I think, you know, this is not my own idea, but 50 years ago, a man was a man at 18. You graduate high school, you're expected to hold shit down, have a family, do your right. job. Uh, a couple hundred years before that, it was like 13. You were actually a man at 13. Not yeah, just you had yeah. a bar mitzvah, but you actually are a man. You can have your own, you know. Um, and then uh, nowadays, like sometimes men aren't actually men until their 30s. Absolutely. That's very common. But they're acting like a kid or they're at, they, they, they need to rely on their parents emotionally, if not financially. Or, or they're living at their, at their parents, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and, and I think what drives it is consumerism. Like, it's like this idea, like, you need, the society wants to keep you as a kid longer because when you're a kid, you're incomplete, you need to buy more shit. You need to mm. spend more money on things you don't need. You need to buy that smoothie because it'll add to your image because it'll make people like you. It's an interesting point. Yeah, and you're not an adult. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff ties together. Yeah, that, that that's something that I've been interested in a lot. And like, I've always been, I always thought saving money and like not spending much was cool. But now like I've really embraced that. We're like, cause it's very anti mainstream, right? Like no one's going to post online. Hey, I got this thing and I got a good deal on it. Right? No, like you ought to say, I've got the most expensive thing ever and, and take a picture with that $10 smoothie on your Instagram story and, and, and all that other stuff like that. But I'm just, I'm trying to really get past that as much as possible to do what I think is is really cool. And it's tough with dating too, right? Cause, cause you know, girls really respond to, to, um, you know, girls say they want to go on trips and they want to travel and you, and guys are go, oh, you got to take them out to expensive dinners and all this other shit like that. But like, that's, that's just something that's not, I don't even go out to eat much. I cook all my food at home. I eat pretty healthy. So like, that's just something that I'm not interested in. Yeah, um, I think it takes some balls and maybe even a little faith to go against that. Cause the whole like, expensive dinner showing up in a nice car thing is it's very like, primitive like like literal peacocking like hey look at my feathers like oh but, yeah but if you actually have game you don't need <laughs> you don't need to do that it might be a it might take an extra step it might take a little more that's the, that's the thing man that's yeah. the thing yeah the, the best uh, I'm, one of my months where i did the best with women when i first moved here to texas so i was crashing on my buddy's couch so it's like you know <laughs> you really don't that stuff's all bullshit man that's all think about how much money you spent in, in the united states alone because guys think they need to spend all this money to impress women. Yeah. Or women spend on beauty to impress men. Like that's kind of like, yeah, biggest, those are the biggest industries yeah. or to impress other men yeah. <laughs> or impress other women. Right. Like, yeah. God, it's so crazy, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, this has been awesome. I'm glad we connected. It's been fun talking to you. Um, oh yeah, dude, you seem super cool. And, and, um, I love doing things like this. Cause, um, you know, I, whenever I meet somebody like you, I'm like, man, we could just chat till the end of time. You know, you're such a developed and interesting and, and deep person. So I, I really enjoy um, having this conversation, man. I think this is, and I think it's really cool. You're doing a podcast. I think this is the funnest and one of the best ways to give value to people. It's just have a really great conversation. And, and there's just so much value in this. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Um, where do you live by the way? Uh, Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah I, I lived there last or two years ago for a minute. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's my favorite city, man. I, I'd moved to L.A., but L.A. is too materialistic. I, I, this is yeah. my favorite city in the U.S. Cool. Um, and how can people find out more if they want to work with you or learn more? Oh, yeah. You can go to uh, joeducard.com, D-U-C-A-R-D. Um, I have links to my YouTube channel. I have a free flirting guide on there. And, uh, yeah, the most... 
the main recurring sources of free value that I give are my YouTube channel. I put about a, a video a week out. Um, I have an email list you could join up for. And then I have a free Facebook group where you can ask questions and stuff like awesome. that. And then, you know, if you're interested in coaching down the line, you, that, that's easy to find. But yes, yeah, definitely start with the free stuff. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I'm sure we'll be in touch. You too. Yeah. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.